And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 85. That's right, episode 85, season 2, episode 31. Our reading this week, the portion of Kedoshim. Our topic this week, giving the benefit of the doubt. One technical note before we dive into the topic itself. At a quirk of the Jewish calendar at the moment, the community in Israel is reading a different portion, is a portion ahead of the community outside of Israel, and that's going to continue for the next couple of months. The podcast is rooted in the weekly portion, for the most part, other than when holidays come about. So their decision had to be made as to which portion I would focus in on the one being read here at home, or the one being read in the rest of the world. So I decided that since it is based in my weekly studies, that it would be housed and focused on the portion that's being read here, albeit knowing that for a large percentage of the audience, that's not what they're reading in their communities and their synagogues this week. The archives are available. Last week's episode and the prior week's uh, episodes will be available, of course. But I do think the meaning and the lessons and the ideas that we're trying to elicit are valuable whenever they're being listened to and taught and learned and focused in on and thought about. For those of you outside the Jewish community who listen on a weekly basis, first note that I appreciate you to no end. And your insights and your Fandom, for lack of a better term, your appreciation of the podcast and bringing the Bible to this kind of a light and focus. So that note about what's being read and when may not be material or valuable to you, but I did want to put it out there. So giving the benefit of the doubt is a super interesting topic. Years ago when I taught the book of Leviticus in Jewish high schools in New York, So it could spend weeks on just this concept of giving the benefit of the doubt. It's rooted in chapter 19, verse 15 in the book of Leviticus. And in that verse, the Bible is telling us that courts have to work like courts. No surprise there. You can't make an abomination out of the justice system. And you can't violate truth in the justice system. And you can't really allow for the space that when you're actually adjudicating the law or the result of a certain circumstance, situation, event, or behavior, you can't lean towards someone simply because they're wealthy or they're poor or they're well-known or they're not well-known. The court has to operate. Civic society has to operate. And it has to be real and it has to be trusted by society and it has to be true. Truth is important. And at the end of that verse, the Bible tells us also that we have to judge our people with what's called in Hebrew tzedek. That term is typically speaking translated to mean favorably, with righteousness. 
The famous commentary Rashi comments on the spot that, yes, the whole verse is about court. It is about society in the manner in which it operates in civic courts and societal situations like that, criminal courts, because that's the way it makes, it allows for society to actually operate. It builds the trust into the situation. But then he comments and says that that last section is also the source for the idea that we have to judge others favorably, that we have to give people what we call in English the benefit of the doubt. Sort of like an amazing term, the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give you a benefit. The benefit is that I'm going to doubt whether your intentions in this situation were in fact negative. And we do it sometimes. And we don't do it sometimes also. We lean towards it and we tend towards giving people the benefit of the doubt when we are ourselves judged unfavorably first, undeservedly so. And we cherish and desire and wish that people would look at our intent and think, I'm a good person, I do good things, and therefore you should judge me more positively. And so you think, you know what, I should judge other people more positively too. In a lot of situations, though, we don't. In a lot of situations, we have what's called by psychologists a hostile attributional style, which is that we tend to assign malicious intent to other people's actions. There are some people who really live in that space and some people who have what I will call an an ambiguous attributional style. So sometimes it's malicious and sometimes it's not. And there are a few people among us who are what we would call the benign attributional style that they're always giving people the benefit of the doubt. They're always judging people favorably. So truth be told, this is something that I'm working on myself. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I try to judge people favorably. I can't always. And so with coaching with the Bible, I want to get, you know, I always like to be very real with it and try to give, you know, legit examples from the world around us. So this is a person that I know who... I struggle mightily to at any point ever give them the benefit of the doubt in the manner in which they behave. I'm being honest with you. I'm not proud of it. But it's there. And even in moments when I should give that person the benefit, I don't. So in that person, with respect to that person, I'm hostile. I'd love to minimally just move to being ambiguous about that person and sometimes give them, you know, to moving to benign where it's always favorable, you know, maybe, maybe in the future. But the truth is that giving a person the benefit of the doubt has material benefit to our lives. It improves our lives. We are science-proven, driven, however term you want to use, because my mind is failing me for the moment at the term I want to say right there, the data tells us, I think that's the right way to say that, that people who do tend to give the benefit of the doubt are happier. I think it's pretty obvious. They're carrying a lot less negativity around with them. The way in which they think, how their mind operates, is better. 
And so there's a positive benefit to our own lives in judging people favorably in that one way and in another way. We judge people more favorably. So that shows our level of trust in other people, that we're attributing to them positive intent in their actions. So that trust breeds trust. It's good for our teams at work, the people around us in our neighborhoods. I'm going to assume about you that you had positive intent, that you were not ill-intended in what you did or what you said, even though it seems to be the other way. I'm not going to attribute negative blame here, necessarily. We live better. That's not to say that we're trying to trick ourselves or pull the wool over our own eyes or anything like that or be naive. I don't think that's it at all. I think there are situations when we can judge people negatively. Certainly when we witness something, a certain person tells us about what it is that they're doing or if they have a reputation of being a horrible, terrible person, perhaps in those situations, maybe we can judge a person negatively. But for the most part, what it seems that the verse is telling us and what we should think about is that there is a truth in court and there's a truth outside of court. And the truth in court has to be a specific, well-defined manner. And truth outside of court is expandable. We can think about circumstances, situations, people in different ways. And giving people and judging people in a certain manner more favorably is within the, it is within the, the boundaries of truth. Why? Because in many cases, we don't know otherwise. In Ethics of the Fathers, the first chapter, paragraph 6, so Joshua, the son of Parachia, makes the statement that we have to judge people favorably. This is a positive trait. One of the commentaries says that in many of these situations, it's what we would call a 50-50 ball. We simply don't know. We don't know whether or not the person was well-intended or ill-intended in that moment. And so until it's formally and officially judged that negatively, it's up in the air. And because it's up in the air, because it's unknown, because it's ambiguous, we can go any which way we want with it. And so then it becomes a question of us. How do we do and what do we do in that situation? So for a lot of us, perhaps we don't go to benefit of the doubt, we don't go to favorably, we go to negative. Why? Probably because a lot of the time we judge uh, negatively or perhaps we have history where it's always sort of come out against us. And so precedent has been set and the manner in which we operate has been set. Or society is very judgmental and quite cynical. And so instead of judging people or giving people the benefit of the doubt or innocent until proven guilty, we know that in the public domain, outside of court, the opposite for many people is true. They're guilty before proven innocent. We ascribe blame before we attribute any sense that it wasn't their fault. That's what we do. And so coaching with the Bible here, what the Bible seems to be you know, intimating and teaching us is that we have the space and the room to be more favorable 
And here I'm going to include an additional term, I think, which is the next level of this, even being charitable with people in this space. One of the articles that I read sort of differentiated between sort of three categories. The cynic, the one who gives the benefit of the doubt, and the person who's charitable. The cynic is the person who I described at the beginning, which is a little bit of me in a lot of situations, the person who has this sort of antagonistic, hostile uh, style to them about it, which is that I'm always going to attribute uh, negative and uh, you know, bad intentions to the person. The person who's giving the benefit of the doubt sits in the middle of that. You know, I'm not going to judge them negatively. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to reserve judgment on this situation. Reserving judgment is like I'm just sort of waiting until the car crashes to deciding or not whether or not it actually crashed, right? And so reserving judgment is sort of you're holding back from making the negative judgment most of the time. You may be leaning that way. This is how I understand it. You can disagree with me. I'm okay with that. And then there's this third category of being charitable. Charitable, I think, is an active mode. You're choosing, you're choosing to give the person positive attribution in those situations. I'm going to assume that the person acted with their best in their with their best intent in mind and me in their best intent in mind and not negatively. And being kind. Kindness is hard. And doing this is hard. And being char- charitable in those moments is difficult. But the result of it, I think, is grand. When we are trying to be charitable, then we ascribe less blame. We are way more open-minded because we're seeking out in an active mode something better than the negative and horrible malintended person. There's a level of curiosity that comes with it. Some of the work that I do with people privately, one-on-one coaching, is getting them in these spaces to be more curious about what's going around, going on around the other people in their lives and not simply just labeling it or assessing it one way, but being sort of open-minded with curiosity and questioning around what it is that's happening. More than just reserving judgment, having no judgment, not judging at all, noticing things but not judging them, It allows us to be less inclined to categorize and label. When we're in that space of charitable, I think we empathize more. One of the articles that I read said this very clearly, that when we're being charitable, when we're seeking out a more positive approach to the situation, then we can empathize better. Whether that's because the other way has happened to us too many times and people judge us negatively, and so we want to change that around, or whatever the case may be, we empathize better when we're trying to be charitable. When we're trying to do good, we're trying to be good, we're trying to impose good into the situation, then we can empathize at a a, a higher level. We're also more willing to help people when we're trying to be charitable. And how charitable we want to be, like, you know, that depends. Some people in some situations, I remember this, from many, many years ago when I was teaching that there was a person I taught with who I thought was a very difficult person. And they weren't particularly kind to me. And at the time I was, you know, I was working on this. This is something I was working on because I was teaching it at the same time, so I had to work on it. And the only level I could get to is I simply just felt bad for them. 
It really was sad for this person in their lives that this is the way they treated people. This is how they talked to people. This is how they interacted with people on a regular basis. And that sort of took the air out of the negativity. It was sadness for this person. I don't think that's best. But that's what worked in that moment. And so I think that what we can think about here for ourselves in the manner in which we go about the benefit of the doubt is to think about it differently. The language should change from just simply being just, quote unquote, giving people the benefit of the doubt to being charitable. Because I think actually being charitable fits better into the words of the verse and perhaps is what it is that ultimately the verse is trying to teach us and what we should think about in our own lives to actually build better balance in our lives, more positivity in our lives, is to be more charitable with people. Not in giving charity, i.e. giving money, but being more charitable with them and around them and interacting with them and listening to them in these moments and when we're witnessing what's going on around them. I think to some degree the Bible is acknowledging that we do judge other people. It's part of who we are as human beings. But we can judge them more positively. We can put a more positive spin on the situations that allow us to build a trust that allow us to build in positivity, that allow us to be more empathetic, allow us to be more open-minded, and allow us to be more helpful, ultimately, with the people around us. This is where I'm trying to think about this person who I mentioned earlier that I know in my life. I'm not there yet. But I'll add one additional component here, and then a practical step. Let us also try to be charitable, more charitable with ourselves. Let's give ourselves the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Be more charitable with ourselves. Appreciate that. My intent actually wasn't bad here. I was trying to do a good thing here. I do deserve good things in my life. I do deserve happiness. Give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that these things actually deserve to be part of who we are and what we experience, the positive parts of life, and that we're not bad people, and that we're not generally speaking, doing bad things, that we're trying to do good things, that we're trying to put our best foot forward in those moments. We're trying to do what's right and what's good. We just don't always get there. We sometimes fail. So here's the practical step. This was something that my, uh, a teacher of mine many, many years ago used to do with his own children. I think it's an interesting activity. He used to create the craziest scenarios possible and he, around people that really, really leaned and focused and pushed towards being super uber duper negative about the person who's doing it. And he would ask his children, get them out of the situation. You make the call. How do you give the person the benefit of the doubt in the least number of steps? I think it's a fun activity. I think it's worth trying. I think it's worth thinking about. And then beyond that, the next step is the next time something happens in front of you that you see the person does something. It's a person you know even, even better because I think this makes it, it makes it even harder. How are you going to be more charitable in that moment with that person? How are you going to seek charity with that person in that moment? Again, not giving them money. That's not what I'm looking for. But how are you going to judge more charitably in that moment. And I'm super curious to hear about how you go about doing that.
That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great one.